Thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.cbedinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you come to hear the podcast and be blessed. Now we all have access into the presence of God. You do not understand, well, you maybe not comprehend the power that you have the God-given power, the grace that has been poured on you, the abilities that you have to change this world, to change the environment in which you live in. And if that sounds like a terrifying thing, then I'll put my hand up and say, yes, it is. Because all of us know what we're like. And the disciples, even once they had, you know, after Jesus rose from the dead, they gathered and they prayed and they waited but they were still terrified. They were still, even after the, the power of the Holy Spirit had come upon them, they were still frightened. That When the threats came against them, they were still nervous. That It took faith to step out. And this is what every single one of you will need. To, you will need faith to step out. When Paul talks in, the, in Romans chapter 1 about, it says in verse uh, 5, through him and for his name's sake, we have received grace. We use that word grace all the time in terms of God's unmerited favor, his mercy towards us, his love towards us. But the other, the other definition of, the, of that word is the divine influence upon the heart and, it's re, that his, sorry, and the reflection in our life. The evidence of God's grace on us is that influence on our heart and that reflection in our life, that change of our life. That's the time already, goodness me. We're, we're, on this sort of, we're on this topic of discipleship, and discipleship is the fundamental foundation of a life in Christ. You accept Jesus, you become a follower, but that life of discipleship is the start of it. And so we use that word discipleship, and I will get into this in a minute, but there's some, there's some core characteristics of what it means to be a disciple, and we'll get in there. We will get in there. I just want to throw this out, and I don't want to be contradictory, and I don't want to be contentious, although that's very much my nature, and I do quite enjoy that. But anyway, <laughs> but I know this might be sort of semantics, but nowhere in the New Testament does it say that we're called to plant churches. If, unless you, if you can find it, tell me, all right? Where is it? <laughs> nowhere in the New Testament does it say to plant churches, initiate churches, or start churches. What it does say is go and make disciples. That's what it says. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. If we cannot multiply disciples, we will never, ever multiply leaders. If we can't multiply leaders, we will never multiply that would sound like a snigger, but it wasn't. It was a, bless you, that was a sneeze. <laughs> if we cannot multiply disciples, we will never multiply leaders. If we, can, if we cannot, cannot multiply leaders, we will never multiply communities of faith. I, that's the word I use for church. I want you to lay aside the word church because the word church in many people's minds is a building 
with a steeple on it, with a bell, and it's empty. We are called to make disciples. We're called to gather disciples and multiply communities of faith. If we cannot multiply communities of faith, we'll never see a movement. When I say movement, I mean a multiplication which becomes organic, which, which just takes over. It, it has a life of its own, and it spreads. Now, the amazing thing is that outside of the West, and maybe even some places in the West, we are seeing people movements. We're seeing multiplication of people coming to faith on a massive, massive scale. And it becomes, and, and the origin of it is one, person, one disciple making another disciple. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. You've probably seen this video before, but I want to just pop it, let's pop it up now. It's two and a half minutes, I've edited it. We need some sound. And how to make a movement. So let's watch what happens start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons from it. First, of course you know, a leader needs the guts to stand out and be ridiculed. <laughs> But what he's doing is so easy to follow. So here's his first follower with a crucial role. He's going to show everyone else how to follow. Now notice that the leader embraces him as an equal. So now it's not about the leader anymore. It's about them, plural. Now there he is calling to his friends. Now if you notice that the first follower is actually an underestimated form of leadership in itself. It takes guts to stand out like that. The first follower is what transforms a lone nut into a leader. And here comes a second follower. Now it's not a lone nut, it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd, and a crowd is news. So a movement must be public. It's important to show not just the leader, but the followers, because you find that new followers emulate the followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, and immediately after, three more people. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point. Now we've got a movement. <laughs> so notice that as more people join in, it's less risky. So those that were sitting on the fence before now have no reason not to. They won't stand out. They won't be ridiculed, but they will be part of the in crowd if they hurry. So over the next minute, you'll see all of the, uh, those that prefer to stick with the crowd because eventually they would be ridiculed for not joining in. And that's how you make a movement. But let's recap some lessons from this. So first, if you are the type, like the shirtless dancing guy, that is standing alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals. So it's clearly about the movement, not you. <laughs> okay, but we might have missed the real lesson here. The biggest lesson if you noticed, did you catch it? Is that leadership is over-glorified. That yes, it was the shirtless guy was first, and he'll get all the credit, but it was really the first follower that transformed the lone nut into a leader. So as we're told that we should all be leaders, that would be really ineffective. If you really care about starting a movement, have the courage to follow and show others how to follow. And when you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first one to stand up and join in. And what a perfect place to do that, Ted. The basic unit, <laughs> yeah, if I dance. <laughs> you don't want to see me dance. The basic unit of kingdom life is a follower of Jesus in relationship with another follower of Jesus. That's where it starts. And we sometimes miss the magnitude of that 
how can two people have such an impact? In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, it says, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand them. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Psalm 68, verse 6, God settles the solitary or God settles the lonely in a home or he settles them in families. Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20, or the last verse, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am amongst them. We can pop up the last one, which is Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, as, some, as some are in the habit, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Have you ever been in a, in a meeting where there's just one or two of you? You've met because you share a common faith. You, you meet to maybe pray together. You meet to maybe open the word together. And something miraculous happens. Something there's a stirring, as Nathan said, and as it says in Romans, that I may be encouraged, I long to see you so I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Have you ever been in that kind of meeting or had that encounter? I don't even like to use the word meeting. Have you ever had that encounter with another believer and something stirs in you as you start to share your faith? The words that start to come out of your mouth are inspired. You start to hear things which you didn't think of beforehand. And the things that the other person says starts to just to move something in your heart. There's a, there's a rising of your spirit. That is, that is supernatural, but that should be natural. That should be the norm in, in our life. And the miracle of it is, is, is accounted for in Matthew chapter 18, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in, in, in the midst of There I am with them. There I am with them. There's a couple of things that kind of spring to mind in view of that. If God is in the midst of us, if God is with us when we gather in twos and threes, then I want to have those encounters. I want to have those twos and threes meetings where God can turn up. Where God, can where God can just move in my heart, where God can bring transformation. We miss something when we... I want us to realize absolutely that the basic unit of kingdom life is literally two people gathering together. What is the significance of that? As we move forward with Connect, as we move forward in the life of this church, as we look, look to growth... I want us all to be in relationship with one another. I want us to all in, be in relationship with Christ in a, in, a disciple, in a discipleship relationship where iron sharpens iron. Well, that's a term which we use in, it, it comes out of, of the word, but it means that we get honed, we get stretched, we get transformed. Our edge gets sharpened where you're no longer the same. Something happens in Christian community, which is deeply uncomfortable, but it's wonderful at the same time. We literally get transformed. Uh, I'm not a particularly nice person, I'll say that, all right? 
Nathan, he said, you know, th you know, he thinks I'm great and he thinks I'm wonderful. I'm not wonderful at all. I'm a horrible person, actually. <laughs> no, I am. I, I, I honestly say that because I know what I'm like. I am not a nice person and left to my own devices. I said this to someone the other day. I'd be quite happy to live in a bothy in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I would. I'd enjoy that, actually. Uh, and the reason being is because it'd be very, very easy. Because in my own company, there's no reason for me to change. There's no reason for me to grow. There's no reason for me to make a difference. But when I, you put me around people, and I find it really uncomfortable. I find it really quite awkward, actually. And there's things that you do, and there's things that you're going to say, and your behaviors, and your love, and your grace, and your mercy, and everything else that you do, and your little quirks and whatnot. I'm not pointing at you. Your little quirks. <laughs> your little quirks are going to, yeah. Are going to rub me at the wrong way, and they're going to annoy me. And in that annoyingness, if that's even a word, I'm going to start, it's, it's going to be a mirror held up again in front of me. And I'm going to start to see some characteristics in my life. I'm going to start to discover some things in my life which don't line up with the Word of God. All right? So if you want to be in, if you, want, if you genuinely want transformation in your life, you need to be in a relationship with someone. You need to be in a discipleship relationship with someone. The Word needs to be centered, and the Holy Spirit needs to be given permission to move. If you want to find out what it's like to... If you, yeah, okay, marriage is really good, but marriage is really hard, all right? Because you can't say, okay, I don't want to listen to you anymore. Can you clear off? It's time for you to go home. No, all right? The, 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 your home is their home, all right? There is no escaping from that voice which wants to see you transformed into that person who you're supposed to be. Yeah. I know what it's like, Lisa. It's terrible. Yeah. I've got so little time. <laughs> right. But what does it mean to be a disciple? All right. We use these terms. We use this term, but in the, the pattern in the Old Testament, sorry, the pattern in the, in the Bible is this. Put up the, and this is in the letters of Paul. I'd encourage you just as a starting point, read Colossians. But to, to be a disciple means to put off the old self and be transformed by word and spirit into someone new, okay? Put off the old self and be transformed by the Word and by the Holy Spirit into what God wants you to be. You're going to encounter spiritual warfare. That's a reality, so you need to pray. But the other thing about discipleship is you're supposed to be a witness. You're empowered to live your life out in such a way that you bring transformation and change and you're a rich your salt and light into the lives of everyone that you come, in, come into contact with. The commands that every disciple should obey. So we talk about obedience-based discipleship, which is a really, really weird term, sort of phrase, turn of phrase. I mean, obedience-based discipleship. Is there any other kind of discipleship? Really? Sorry, what's closer to the mic? Close, further away. Okay, that's fine, all right. Oh, is she? All right. I thought it was like, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, where's it supposed to be? Okay, right. But obedience-based discipleship. So what does it mean to be a disciple? I mean, there are some things in the, in the, in the New Testament which, which tell us what, what are the qualifications of a disciple. One is, well, the first foundation is repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Right, repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the baseline. Baptism. Okay? 
baptism. Next one, love God, love your neighbor, right? If you do that, you fulfill the whole law. Yes, the law has been abolished, but love God, love your neighbor. So repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized. Love God, love your neighbor. What does that mean? Love God, fairly easy, roughly. Love your neighbor, do good, practice hospitality, give. All right? Repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized, love God, love your neighbor. So do good, practice hospitality, give. Those are all characteristics of a, of a disciple. So if you're not the most hospitable person like me, I'm quite antisocial, actually, right? No, I am. And I quite enjoy being antisocial because I don't like being in that in interaction with people who are going to make me look at how ugly I am and force me to be changed, all right? But do good, practice hospitality, give. Those are fundamentals of discipleship. Next, do the Lord's Supper. Lord's Supper. Now, back in the day, when I mean, Jesus actually said it, as often as you do this, right, as often as you do what? As often as you break bread. Well, you're living in a culture. If you go, if you go to the Middle East, you get bread with everything. If you go to Asia, you get rice with everything, right? You go to the Middle East, you have flatbreads or whatever you call it. You have bread with every single meal. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is every time you sit down to have a meal, take that opportunity. Where do you think the grace comes from? We sit down and we say grace. We thank God for his provision for our food. But the origins of that are actually as often as you eat and drink, then remember me. You know, we, we used to, when we lived, okay, well, very, very briefly, but when we lived overseas and we were trying to want people to pray for us, we had people say, oh, you need to give them a bookmark to stick in the Bible. Maybe. Well, the reality is you don't give anybody a bookmark to stick in the Bible because the chances are they don't read the Bible that often. What we were told is what you want to give them is a fridge magnet because people go to the fridge far often and more often than they, go, than they open their Bible. So if you want people to pray for you, put a fridge magnet on their fridge that says, pray for the Finleys, all right? More so than opening their Bible and seeing the bookmark. What was the point of that again? Can't remember. What was the point of that? Oh, yeah, frequently do that, yeah. So as often, so as, often as you go to the fridge, or as often as you break bread, or as often as you eat, is as often as you should have remembrance of what God has done for you, what Jesus has done for you. Take that opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's a pause in the day. Isn't it wonderful? Three times a day, or as many times as you eat, you can actually stop and think, wow, gosh, what, what an amazing thing. As I break this bread, as I break this bread, it reminds me of, of Jesus' body broken for me. As I drink this milk, or I drink this coffee, or whatever it is, all right? There's a symbolism in it. Yes, the, the, bread, the wine is red, and it looks like blood, but there was a crushing in it. If you want to get your coffee beans and throw them into, a, into this grinder, again, there's a symbolism in that. There's, there's, some, there's the crushing in there. There's a, an extraction. There's a symbolism there. But as often as you have your breakfast or whatever it is, okay? And then the other thing, the other qualifications, so I'll go back again. Repent, believe, receive the Holy Spirit, be baptized, love God, love your neighbor, do good, practice hospitality, give, Lord's Supper, pray. Corporate prayer, corporate worship, all right? And the other one, final one, disciple others, all right? To be a disciple is to make disciples, all right? You can't be a disciple and not disciple. 
Follow me as I follow Christ. The pattern of things which I have lived, teach someone else. The things I've taught you, this is Jesus, the things I've taught you, tell other people. Go into the whole world, preach, baptize. Everything I taught you, tell someone else. I've got so little time. What does that look like? Right. We lived overseas for 15 years. As I told you, I'm one of the most antisocial people I know. And we were called to preach the gospel, try to make disciples, gather believers into communities of faith, and all that kind of stuff. Right? How do you do that as an antisocial, non-language-speaking person who's quite happy in their own company? Right? It was pretty difficult, actually. One of the first things you have to do is become an initiator. What does it mean to be an initiator? You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to initiate meetings. You've got to initiate relationship. That's one of the things. How do you make disciples? As a disciple, you need to gather people. You have to be the shirtless guy on the hill drawing people to yourself. All right? You have to put yourself out there. It means picking up the phone, reaching out to the person in in your lectures or at work who... Maybe it's a loner who, or maybe they just something going on in their lives. Asking them, well, what's going on? Hey, do you want to get together for a coffee? Be an initiator. Now, I don't say this to embarrass anybody. I've been back for two years, and I think most of the, most of the meetings that I have had with people, I've initiated. Most of them. I'd almost go as far as probably about 90%. I wouldn't say 100%, but about 90 95% of the, of the meetings I've initiated. All right? That's against my normal antisocial nature, but I, we, we need to become initiators. The initiation is to be sociable, to be hospitable, so it's to do the good, to practice hospitality, that kind of stuff. But when you gather, you know, it's to... The, the reason why we gather, the reason why we get together with one another is because what I share is I love God, you love God. There's evidence of God working in your life. There's, I want to see the evidence of God working in my life. And I know that as we interact, I'll be transformed, I'll be changed. That you have a, something to give to me and I have something to give to you. Because God has graced us. God's given a grace to you that I don't have, potentially. And I've given a grace to me which I can impart something to you as well. blitz through this. Initiators, storytellers. You all have, everyone has a story to tell. It's cool. I mean, if you want to use the New Testament term, it's, you know, your testimony. You've got something to tell somebody. It might be, you know what, I had a really bad day yesterday, actually. I had a really, 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 really bad day. I, had, I was worried about things. I was anxious about things. And in fact, it was probably one of the worst days I've ever had. But you know what? I got through it. Because this miraculous thing happened. The peace of God just came upon me. I prayed it. I, I thought about everything that I was thankful for. I've said this before. Be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Make your requests known unto God. And the, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and will guard your mind. So in the midst of the anxieties that I had, I, was, I thought, you know, what am I thankful for? Well, I've got a roof over my head. I've got a wonderful wife. I've got health. I can be thankful for that. And the peace of God which passes all understanding just like... It happened. I can share that with somebody. 
I can share that with somebody and impart to them the, the same peace, miraculous peace of God. Share your victories. Share your challenges. Be listeners. So we're initiators, storytellers, listeners. Listen. If you, don't, if you don't hang out with people, they've got no one to listen to. All right? I don't like listening to the voices in my own head. I've heard them all before. I'm not particularly entertaining company. But become listeners. You'd be surprised. People just want to, people want to, they want to tell, share their problems. They want to share what's going on with their lives. They need a listening ear. Last thing, be servants. What does it mean to be a servant? Well, it means to serve, doesn't it? It means to do something. It means to give of your time, give of your resources, to, to serve somebody else's vision, serve somebody else's job, whatever it may be. And there's plenty of opportunities for that. I've done... Okay, put it, put it in context. I've done jobs which are really, really horrible, so much so that pretty much every other job now measured against that is nowhere near as bad as what I had to do before, right? Back in the days when I was a construction engineer, and we had to do, this is probably the worst one we had to do, but when we built new buildings, one of the things we always used to say before the toilets, when the toilets went in is, these toilets are not to be used. If you want to use the toilets, you go to the cabin toilets, right? But there comes a point where you have to test the drains, and you have to get the pressure test, and you have to get signed off by the council. And what happens is, the people who are not supposed to use the toilets use the toilets, and you have to go down... You get Well, okay, this is a short version. You say to the contractor, please, can you test this? And he goes, I'm not going down that manhole. I don't get paid enough to go down that manhole and clear out whatever's down there. So who's going to go down that manhole and clear out that? So I have been down live manholes, which should not be used, which were used prematurely, and I have had to remove with my hands. Yes, right? So compared to that... Pretty much everything else that I have ever asked to be to help out with is easy. <laughs> when we went to New Zealand and we had to dump our dirty water tank and all the others kind of dirty water down the thing, and no one else wanted to do that, and we were stood around this particular day, and uh, Ben, wonderful child that I have, he put the cover of the tank onto the side of the washdown thing. Well, as he was hosing it down afterwards, that was his meager contribution to what was a nasty job. The cap fell down the, down the hole into the bottom of that. We had like another week to go, and we couldn't drive around without the cap on our sewage tank. So we looked around between the three of us. It was evident that my wife was not going to put her hand down this hole that every camper in New Zealand had probably... Anyway, so I pulled up my sleeves, thought to myself, this is not the worst, <laughs> this, is, this is not the worst drain I've ever put my hand down. <laughs> pulled up my sleeve, put my hand down the hole, up to my elbow, and, sorry, up, up to my shoulder. I was literally lying, I was lying on the ground on this bit of washdown, sewage washdown bit, lying down on the ground with my shoulder, up to the thing, rooted around in the bottom, and lo and behold, found the cap, right? Found the cap. Yeah, found the cap. What is the lesson learned? The lesson is, 
Whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, do it, do it as unto the Lord. I can put my hand down a live manhole as unto the Lord. <laughs> if we ever are in the... <laughs> if we ever go away together and we're camping, I am not going to be the one necessarily who will ever do that again. Right? Anyway, I've run out of time completely. But the point of it being, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, faithfully administering God's grace. I believe that every single person in this room has got gifts. You have a call. You're gifted. You have a grace. You might not be using it right now, but you have a grace. You have something to contribute to this community of faith. Why do I say that? Because the Word of God says that he gave gifts unto men for the equipping of the saints, for the works of service, till we all come into the, into the unity of faith. So within this community of faith, we have, I believe, the gifts that we require in order to come into the unity of faith and to do the works of service. Now, coming back to the twos and threes. We have a vision at C3 to reach the city. We have a vision for discipleship. Discipleship starts in the twos and threes. It starts in the gathering. You might be part of a connect group, which ideally will have a capacity of about 12, all right? And we'll see multiplication. If once it gets to, say, 15 or 16 or something, we'll cut it in half. We'll get back to eight, and we'll try to grow it again. But if you can't be in a connect group, or if, 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 if you can't make it to a connect group, that does not prevent you from gathering with one or two people, all right? You can do that. You can initiate that. You can get together. You can, get, you can open the word together. You can share your life with a person. You can pray with that person. The other thing is, if, if you do that, you can go to a coffee house and meet, and meet another believer, but invite someone else along. It's easy. How do you reach a city? How do these movements start? A movement starts by one person tells another person, and then another person tells another person. And then there's, the, then there's the witness, the evidence of God moving on your life. The reason why I tell people that I'm not a nice bit, because I'm not. And the nice, bit, the nice bit that Nathan sees is only because of what God has done in my life and what he's continuing to do in my life. And without God, I'm a horrible person, and I would default back to all the other behaviors and whatever else I did before back in the day. But God is rich in his mercy, and God loved me so much that he died on the cross, and he gave his life for me that I should no longer live in bondage and fear and everything else. We've got three minutes left. The message was so radical that the, that the first disciples preached. I mean, it was mind-blowing. We had a priesthood. I mean, we, we even said this today. The veil of the temple was torn. When the veil of the temple was torn, the old covenant ended. All of a sudden, the barrier to, to, go into the, to enter into the presence of God was abolished. And the whole of humanity potentially had access to God. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It was such a radical message that it actually became, it came to be known as the way, the way. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 2, 19, 9, and 23, 22, 4, Acts 24. Repent, be baptized, you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Repent and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name in heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything that you could not be justified by the law. This is why it was called away. It was radically different. I've got less than 30 seconds left. God wants to do absolutely phenomenal things in this city. Why do I know that? Because he wants to pour out his spirit in all flesh. He, he desires for every person to come to faith. He doesn't want to, he wants to release, the, he wants to free the brokenhearted, release the oppressed. The transforming power of the Holy Spirit is enough to change this city. It's enough to change your life. I, I scribbled something down. I don't even know whether I got it here or not. Probably not. A few things I scribbled down, actually, but anyway. You might be here today just thinking to yourself, you know what, this, sort of heard this before, but, you know, what does God really want to do in my life? You cannot even imagine. You can't even imagine what he wants to do in your life. You can't let your experiences of the past, you can't even let your comprehension right now hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. I, I've said this so many times. I'm, I'm over time. I've said this so many times. God isn't looking for superstars. He's looking for people who are available. That is the reality. I mean, for crying out loud, look, look, at, the, look at the disciples, fishermen who doubted, Fishermen, is who, as soon as Jesus died on the cross, like, quit, okay, I'm done with this. We're going back to fishing. He didn't stick around. He's dead. Let's go back to fishing. At least that pays a living. Well, these weren't superheroes. These were just ordinary men. Ordinary men that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, accomplished phenomenal things. What does discipleship look like? What does obedience-based discipleship look like? It means being obedient is stepping out in faith. The first, as I said, I gave you the sort of qualifications of a disciple. It means stepping out in faith, doing what you're supposed to do, being in fellowship with one another. I call this I'll be there for two reasons. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be there. But in order for him to be there, you've got to be there first. All right? You need to be there first for him to turn up. That's not to say that God hasn't got to work in your life and he's not going to do things in your life as an individual, but he's going to do far more. He's going to accomplish phenomenal things when you are in community, when you're in fellowship with other believers. So when you are there, he is there. That's where it starts. My challenge to you this week is to initiate something, to give, to use your gifts. We've got soul food on a Wednesday night where you have an opportunity to serve. 
and it doesn't involve sticking your hand down a live drain, all right? Okay? Praise the Lord. You've got the opportunity to serve. You've got the opportunity to give. You've got the opportunity to be in fellowship with other people and allow the manifest grace, God's grace to operate through you and to touch the lives of people in the city in a way which is hugely significant. To show them the love of Christ. All right? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. You might actually think to yourself, that grace, that mercy, that love, that compassion, I want it in my life. I don't have it right now. I'm not, I'm at a place where I am not right with God or I'm in, a, you know, I'm in a place where I don't even feel right with myself. God loves you. God has a plan for you beyond what you can even ask, think, or imagine. And because of his great mercy, while you were still a sinner, he died for you, that he could restore you to the right relationship with him, with God. If you know right now that there is an obstacle in your life, if you know that you are not right and there's a sense of guilt or there's a sense of shame, I want you to accept what Jesus has done. As I said in a, in a message that I shared before here, you are not enough, but he is. I don't say that to make you feel worse. You're not enough, but he is. Everything that you are looking for, the wholeness that you're looking for, the freedom that you're looking for, the shamelessness that you're looking for, the lack of guilt, that peace of mind that you're looking for is only found in Jesus. Nowhere else. And if you would surrender to that today, I just want you to raise your hand right now. No one's looking. If you, want to, if you would surrender your guilt, your shame, your anxiety, and raise your hand now. response for the second one because the expectation would be that everybody would just raise their hand. But if you want to step into what real discipleship is, I want you to make a commitment before God today that yes, I am not going to live in mediocrity. I'm going to live in fellowship with other believers. I'm going to commit to being a disciple and I'm going to commit to making disciples. Because in being a disciple, you are positioning yourself to make disciples. And that's when we're going to see the city impacted in the way that God wants to do it. Amen.